It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, local experts on the biggest stories. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network, a brand new week here in Minneapolis. My name's Sam Ekstrom, Vikings beat writer, zonecoverage.com. Joined by former quarterback Sage Rosenfels. We're going to play a little catch-up today, talk about the stuff Sage has missed while he's been on spring break vacation, and uh, get into some NFL headlines perhaps as well. But Sage, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Uh, I assume you've been enjoying the sun getting a tan, maybe a little sunburn, warming up after a long winter. Yes, uh, a little Costa Rica, and uh, on the way home, uh, I stopped in Miami for a couple days, and uh, it was great. It was nice to get out and and get some sun. Uh, It was nice to uh, walk to breakfast in some sandals uh, for the last week and a half or so, And uh, but I'm ready to get home and, and ready to get back after it, so ready to to uh, see, what, see what the Vikings are going to do with this draft. I'm, I'm very curious. You know, they, we, they, we've gone through the majority of free agency. Obviously, there's still players that will be signed and available, and, and players in the next uh, you know, few weeks will be coming back into the facility and working out, and, and the OTAs and all that stuff will be starting up before we know it. But, uh, you know, this, uh, the draft is going to be interesting because, you know, there are still some holes on this Vikings roster that need to be filled, and I think the draft will be a good spot for those players. Yep, and with all the money they're spending on some of their players on the roster, they're going to need to draft well to get some of those players on the roster at low salaries. Let me backtrack and run by some of the moves that happened while you were gone and just get your opinions on them, starting with, and this goes back about 10 days now, I guess, Sheldon Richardson, the the big defensive tackle from Seattle. He comes to Minnesota, and Minnesota loses two defensive tackles to Seattle, Tom Johnson, the guy who played next to Linval Joseph, and then Shamar Steffen, sort of the reserve third defensive tackle. He goes to Seattle as well, but the Vikings get the grand prize with Sheldon Richardson. What kind of impact do you think that's going to have? Well, he's a better player. I mean, he, he, he's, it's, you have to have depth of that position. I firmly believe that you have to have you know, three really good, uh, you know, good interior linemen. And uh, I think right now they have two you know, with Joseph and Richardson, and they have to get, you know, have another guy or two in there to you know, give those guys a break. But, you know, he is a premier player. Uh, when he was with the Jets, he was one of the better interior D linemen uh, in the league. Obviously, he ended up going to Seattle, and, and now he's a, now he's a Viking. So that that is a big move. I, you know, another another really strong move by uh, by Rick Spielman and the crew. Obviously, when you, when you go after one guy, you got to give up some other guys. But I think they improved their roster with the pickup of Sheldon Richardson. While we're talking about defensive tackles, let me revisit one of the things that came up over the weekend. Sharif Floyd. Do you remember Sharif Floyd, the the one-time promising starter for the Minnesota Vikings who's now missed essentially two years as a result of a surgical mishap that basically left him without strength in his quad? He, he's been very quiet, you know, all quiet on the Sharif Floyd front for a while now. But he popped up again on Instagram posting a a mashup of quotes, basically, from Mike Zimmer 
sort of dissing Floyd for his ability to get back on the field. And and I think at the time, people thought, well, Floyd's not putting in the effort, and Zimmer's very frustrated with him. Then it comes out that Floyd actually has been dealing with something much more serious. He he doesn't have strength in his quad. The nerves are shot. And, and Floyd posts a very emotional post on Instagram, and I'll read a clip of it here. Quote, I've been down, hurt, lost, confused, scared, and fighting when there's nothing left to fight for, believing in myself and constantly keeping my kids close to my heart through it all, just when I thought it couldn't get any worse. Everyone who has claimed to love me has walked away, left when the weights got heavy. And there's more to it than that. But, I mean, this guy seems to be very hurt and, and very betrayed, I guess, by the way the Vikings treated him. And I know that he's got a grievance with the team trying to get the, the remaining part of his rookie salary. Um, what do you make of the whole situation? And does, is it a lesson that coaches need to be careful when talking about a player's rehab? Well, my guess in this situation is that Mike Zimmer, you know, didn't know, uh, you know, the, not, not necessarily the extent of the injury. Obviously, you knew he had an injury. Uh, but, you, you know, you, you just sort of assume, you know, the head coaches get – and all coaches get some sort of timeline, you know, from trainers, from doctors. You know, if somebody has a surgery, hey, you know, he's going to be back in a, in a month or it's going to be six months or whatever it's going to be. Uh, and obviously in this situation, I would, I would assume that Zimmer, you know, was told that, you know, by now, uh, Sheree Floyd should be healthy or fairly healthy or he should be at 90%. Uh, and he wasn't there. Uh, and he wasn't playing at that level. Uh, he, he wasn't practicing and all these types of things. So, Probably frustrating for Mike Zimmer. My, my guess is that he did not know uh, that uh, you know the the, the surgery uh, you know wasn't uh, conducted properly or didn't it didn't go well or or the healing process didn't go well or whatever uh, and that uh, you know really wasn't Sharif Floyd's fault. And, and my also my guess is that there's probably more behind that. Uh, um, you know Zimmer's quotes. Um, you know I, I, I remember these quotes. We talked about them. Uh, you know, like yeah. a couple of years ago, we, we talked about actually about Zimmer's you know, trying to light a fire underneath Sheree Floyd. My guess is there's there is a history there, maybe even before the injury, uh, that uh, you know, maybe he wasn't a really hard worker, or you know, he didn't always practice. If if uh, if he was slightly injured, you know, those types of things. And so, uh, you know, I, I think there's probably more there to the story than obviously than one Instagram post. You know, there's always two sides to the story or three sides to the story type of thing, but. Uh, you know, it is too bad, and that should, you know, you see in the Shreve Floyd situation sort of the fine line between really being a uh, an NFL superstar uh, or, or just an, or an NFL player uh, and being completely out of the league and just done, and, and that's that's the way it goes. That's why, you know, the difference, difference between, like, baseball or, or basketball, uh, you know, the injuries that, that pile up in football so quickly uh, in every single game, it's so violent. That uh, yeah, you know the difference between making you know ten million dollars a year and, and being completely out of the league is really really small, and and that looks like that's what's happened to Sharif Floyd. And probably a lesson too that when you read the words so and so underwent successful surgery, you probably have to take it with a grain of salt because that's the go-to line. There was never an unsuccessful surgery, but I'm sure that. With so many guys going under the knife, you know, I'm sure that not every surgery is the same. Yes, they're they're getting the best care, but there there probably are cases where maybe the work wasn't done quite as well as it could have been done, and that could maybe also affect rehab time. I'm not a doctor, I don't know, but this probably isn't the only time when somebody has been 
set back by a surgical procedure that was allegedly going to be routine? Well, that happens all the time, actually, and 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 uh, you know, surgeons make mistakes, and and also, you know, surgeons you know do things exactly right. It's 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 a practice. It's not a an exact science. And you know, there's scar tissue. There's all sorts of things that happen. You know, tears are different, and and uh, so, um, yeah, obviously, in, in his situation, things didn't go well, uh, and that's always the risk. Every time we go, these guys go for surgery, and. You know, we really take it for granted at this point. You know, so-and-so is going in for a small scope or so-and-so is going for a surgery. Yeah, he'll be back. I mean, we almost take the emotional aspect out of it. I mean, somebody is going under. They're being cut into. Uh, you know, infections happen. All these things, all these risks uh, occur when you go uh, go in for surgery. And uh, most of the time, they go right. You know, 95% of the time or so or, or maybe higher, uh, things go right and the player comes back. Um, you know, healthy, and uh, but you know, occasionally it doesn't work out, and this is one of those situations. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Let's switch gears to the offensive line here with the Vikings. Now, that was this is really the one area where the Vikings didn't exactly make a splash in free agency. Now, they did sign Tom Compton as sort of a swingman last week, but uh, you could say that the Vikings don't have a fifth starter on the offensive line right now because Joe Berger retires, and, and we should probably owe Joe Berger because I know that you, that you know Joe, and, uh, and Joe's a great guy, and Joe's calling it quits after a very bountiful career, but it does leave a gap on the Vikings line. Now, I think the beauty of the situation is that the Vikings line has such good flexibility. Like a lot of their guards can play center. The centers can play guard. The guards can play some tackle. So I don't know if they necessarily have a certain position on the line where they need to draft. They just need to draft a lineman. And then if they draft tackle, move Remmers to guard. If they draft center, maybe elf line can play guard. You know, there, there's a lot of flexibility there, but uh, where do you think the Vikings should go on the offensive line? And do you think they should go offensive line with the first round pick? You know, I, I'm not sure. I, I definitely hope they go offensive line in, in the first couple picks, first two or three picks, or early in the draft. You know, I, don't just draft a guy in, in the sixth or seventh round. I, I like drafting draft an offensive lineman early. And, and the Vikings have a lot of, have have had a lot of success drafting uh, other type of players. You know, guys like Stephon Diggs and and you know the, the receiver types later in the draft. So I, I like going O line early. Uh, you know, th- there's always injuries at that position. 
uh, and, uh, and and that that was you know just very recently before last year a huge weakness, the biggest weakness uh, on this football team. So I think you continue try to make that better. Keep building those lines. You, you've got your quarterback. Uh, you've got receivers under contract. You've got uh, you know a really strong defense. Keep improving that offensive line for the future. Uh, and also, if, if, you, if you draft a couple guys now, you know that that might make you know some of these expensive offensive linemen that they have. You know, maybe in two years at their contracts, you know, maybe the Vikings don't want to pay those big contracts because they've really drafted well with some young guys that are much much cheaper. And so, uh, yeah, I like going early offensive linemen where it's guard tackle. Doesn't really matter to me. Uh, you know, I think Tony Soprano's done a nice job there in his two years uh, as the offensive line coach, and and uh, it, it's a position that uh, you can never take for granted because if you have no offensive line, uh, just giving Kirk Cousins all that money is a complete waste of time. Yep, they're going to need to add some depth there because they not only did they lose Berger to retirement, they also lost uh, Jeremiah Searles to the Panthers. He was sort of the sixth man last year, so that there are gaps to fill in on the defensive line and the offensive line. The trenches, or the Vikings need to get a little bit deeper. How about a special teams player, Marcus Sherrills? He is still at large, still on the market. I think the Vikings would be fools to let him go. I I really do. Sherrills is still so reliable. I don't think he really showed a whole lot of rust last year, even though he didn't have a return touchdown. I still think that he's a great gunner on the other side of special teams, rarely makes a mistake. I don't know why you would let him go. It's not like he's going to be that expensive unless they, they think that he's taking up a roster spot because he doesn't really play too much cornerback. I can't see why you would not re-sign Marcus Sherrills. Yeah, I think Sherrills will be back. I think the Vikings are just, they, they probably assume they can get him for the, the veteran minimum, and uh, they're just going to wait it out and, and take their time. There's not a hurry, and you know, obviously another team could come in and, and swoop him up, but hasn't happened yet so my guess is he will be back this seems to happen every year there's these you know veteran players who are sort of under the radar and and you know they end up getting signed you know a month or even two months after free agency starts and the nice thing about Cheryl's is you know it doesn't even matter if he really misses anything I mean he knows this defense he knows all the special teams uh you know he he can he can step right in and shoot you know week one of the of the regular season uh and and do a good job so uh yeah i i sort of think he'll be back with the vikings and i don't know i mean i if another team comes and offers him a contract i think that'd be that'd be great for Cheryl's. but uh i you know for some reason i just don't think it's going to happen it's one of those things where i think the team that he's been on the vikings knows his value more than all the other teams around the nfl correct me if i'm wrong but I think Robinson's the only Viking been that's been there longer than Cheryl's. Eight seasons for Cheryl's. Uh, that's tied with Griffin. Robinson's obviously like you know twelve years, but I can't think of anybody else who's been there longer. That's insane to have. Yeah, uh, that, that uh, sounds that sounds about right. Right when I was, you know, Cheryl's came in. I feel like right when I was sort of leaving there, uh, and Everson Griffin were sort of around the same time. Obviously, Robinson Robinson had been there. Uh, you know, before, but, uh, you know, pretty good run uh, for these undrafted. It's amazing. That's these undrafted guys. And uh, with good coaching and guys that do a good job, uh, you know, they can stay in the league for a long, long time. I would like to touch on Joe Berger, by the way. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if we've ever really discussed him. Um, I th- believe it was 2005. I had signed back with the Miami Dolphins, and Nick Saban was our head coach. And, uh, and, and, the, and the regular season starts. And it's one of those deals where, um, you know, you, you have your cuts and all that stuff at the end of the preseason. 
And then, you know, first week of the regular season, all of a sudden you, you sign a couple guys off of somebody else's, you know, team that they got, they got cut or you sign someone else up to somebody's practice squad. You know, the, the roster changes there uh, in, those, in that so last week and after that Thursday preseason game. So you know, we've got this Monday practice and we've got this new center, uh, this kid Joe Berger from Michigan Tech. I never even heard of the school before. And, and he was my center as the, as the backup quarterback, and he was the number two center. And got to know him right away, and I, I feel like, really, like right after practice, we went in and, you know, had uh, had lunch and, and sat next to him, and, and I was like, man, what what it was smart guy, and what a nice guy, and you could you could tell, like, this is sort of a small town, you know, Midwestern uh, uh, kid, and, and uh, you know, really, really mature uh, for his age, and, and just, just incredible that, uh, uh, that a guy from such a small school uh, could play for such a long time in the NFL, and, you know, he bounced around a little bit early, but really made a nice, nice career for himself in Minnesota. Really a perfect place for him. He's sort of like a Klein saucer, you know, type of player. Uh-huh. That, you know, a guy that just, just fit, uh, you know, the North and, and Minneapolis and, and the Vikings. Uh, you know, just sort of a perfect fit all around in every way possible. Yeah, he kind of looked like Klein saucer a little bit too. Kind of had the same build, you know. And Klein saucer came from UND, North Dakota, and uh, and Berger came from Michigan Tech. I assume that's Division Two. Division two, and it's and it's in the UP, by the way. It's up in the UP in Houghton, so, Houghton, Michigan. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not even sure how uh, how how you get there. You got to take a ferry, or you, you drive <laughs> around. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's great. Uh, yeah, Berger, and he left with something left in the tank too. Like he was probably their their on average their steadiest lineman for the last three or four years, and, and I think he probably could have played more, but. Sometimes when you have your health, just hang it up while it's still good before you get that last nasty concussion or, uh, or a, a devastating knee injury. I think he was probably the smartest among us to, to hang it up at this point. That's right. And I don't, I, don't know what, you know, I don't know what the number is that he's made so far. You know, I was lucky. If you've made, say, you know, $30 million or, or $25 million in his career, and, and I don't, again, I don't know what that number is for him. Uh, and then you look at and you're like, I, you know, I'm basically being offered minimums, a million bucks, a million and a half bucks. And after taxing a million and a half dollar one year contract after taxes, you're going to get under a million dollars. And you already got, you know, 18 in the bank. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's sometimes that's that's hard to go out and, and put your body uh, and be up your body the way they do. And the older you are, you know, the harder it is. Uh, to recover, the you know the more painful things are, and you're you know, you're sort of losing your strength a little bit every year, and and uh, you know I I've seen it. Richie when I was with the Giants, Richie Soybert was this veteran guard slash center that we had from Western Illinois, another small school guy, sort of like a Berger type of situation, really really smart, crafty. Um, you never got the huge huge contracts, but a really good player. We're actually in our last game of the season at Washington, a Week 17 game. He's having a great year. Terrible conditions, muddy, sloppy. Had rained a little bit. Uh, I think it snowed a little bit. Just nasty. Uh, and late in that game, I, I believe, like middle to late third quarter, uh, he he sticks his foot in the ground. His foot slides, and uh, and, and 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 somebody falls on him, blows his knee out. Uh, you know, not, not only just didn't play again, but you know, really, really screwed up his knee uh, and had to have major surgeries on that. I think multiple surgeries. You know, on that knee, and uh, and that's not the way you want to you know go out. You don't want to retire that way. That's that's extremely depressing uh, to be rehabbing uh, when you're retired 
uh, and, uh, and 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 really nothing to you know, uh, you know sort of be motivating you to get back onto the field and and uh, you know it's hard to retire and when you're out, when to be all done with football after all years of college and you know over a dozen years in the league or so and and uh, to be out and, and not be in the locker room and not uh, be a part of the whole thing it's much much worse if you're dealing with a major major you know knee injury or concussion or or some sort of physical thing. So uh, I always think it's it's best to retire if you've made enough and you feel like you've you've got a, I, you, I got out of your career what you want to get out of it. It's always better to retire early than retire late. And I think Joe Berger has a big family to enjoy now, so I'm sure he'll stay busy with the family, running around, chasing the kids. Uh, 13-year career, pretty good. Last one of the day. I'm reading a headline now that says Josh Allen showing off his 80-yard throws at his pro day. What was the, the longest that Sage Rosenfels could touch on in his prime? I know you got a big arm. Could you get up to 80? No, not even close. I think in college we had a throwing contest one time. I threw about 67 yards or something like that. And there's probably even like a little wind at my back or something. I, I I could not throw the ball really, uh, really. I didn't have a huge arm like that. I, I, I really do think that Josh Allen is the most interesting prospect amongst these four quarterbacks or five quarterbacks uh, that people are talking about. Uh, I, you know, I've seen him play enough. Uh, I, I've seen just his athleticism, and uh, he's he is extremely talented and athletic. And he's got a, he's got the biggest arm. He's got a huge arm. Everyone always talks about his accuracy. That's that's an issue. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's, he's the guy that has the highest ceiling. Uh, and it's one of those deals. If you're going to go for sort of for the home run, uh, it's Josh Allen. If you want to go for the, you know, the singles and doubles, uh, I think that's where you go with guys like, you know, and Josh Rosen and, and you know, Baker Mayfield, you, you just have no idea. Uh, and, uh, and you know, obviously everyone likes, you know, Sam Donald as well, but I think, I think Josh Allen's got the highest ceiling of all the guys. Draft one month from today. We'll start zoning in on that as the weeks go on. Sage, welcome back to the Midwest, and we'll talk to you again later this week. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. He's Sage Rosenfels, the former QB. I'm Sam Ekstrom from ZoneCoverage.com on Twitter, at SageRosenfels18, and at Sam Ekstrom to follow along with information and links to the show. We appreciate everybody listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.